Hello. Thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance His kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. So uh, we went to Casa Hogar, as you know, uh, this summer, this, not summer, this, uh, this winter, this, what is it, Christmas, and last week. And um, Emmanuel's going to share first, so um, I'm going to go ahead and let him stay up here. No. Okay, I guess I'm sharing first. Uh, we had a great time, um, like we always do. You know, we see the kids. It's always a good time. Um, to them, to us, like we've been going for 12, 13, 12 years, man. We've seen them growing up. Like, they're like family to us. Like, every time they see us, they're always at, like, if we miss a trip, they're always asking where me and Vincent are. So it's just... It's good to see them grow and see what y'all put in and like everything that they grow, grow in, you know, in the, in the physical and grow in the spiritual. It's just, it's really good. If, if y'all have a heart for missions, I would encourage y'all to go because um, every trip is special and every trip is different. So it was very different because we had Noe this time. Noe had, Noe had a great time. The kids love Noe and uh, that's pretty much all I got to say. Well, um, as he shared, you know, we just want to thank the church and Pastor Luna, you know, before we always leave, you know, he thanks the pastor and he always uh, says, you know, thank the church because without the church, um, you know, supporting it, you know, there's no mission trip, you know, uh, uh, you make it happen. Uh, yes, we, some of us are the hands and feet, but, you know, it's prayer, you know, prayer ahead of time, prayer during prayer, even now after you know, that gets us there. And, you know, some of you give and you gave uh, so um, kindly out of your hearts. And so um, I wanted, you know, that was one of the things that, uh, you know, that Harvest, this this is one of the missions that Harvest Time has supported for many years now. And they, you know, our pastors, well, the the pastors, Hardaway's, they, you know, they saw good soil and uh, Harvest Time took upon it. And we knew that was, and has continued to be good soil. And Pastor Noe will share more on that later. But, you know, this is Mission Sunday. We just wanted to, uh, you know, just bring up some of the missions and some of the outreach that we do as a church. And um, ODE is uh, Open Door Enterprises is one of them. And if you see the skirts, Angela and I are, are wearing ours. I know Christina has them, and uh, so does uh, um, uh, our little Giles young lady back there. She always wear it, wears it. But, you know, this in itself can pay for public education for one child in Africa, if you can think of that. And you get to wear it, you get to enjoy it, you you know, it has big pockets, right, Angela? Don't you love it? But, you know, think about it of sowing seed in a land that you're not able to go to, but Sarah and Donald do, and Laura, and some of them have, and they know those children and those teens personally, just like we do. You know, so that's what I, I, I like about having supporting missionaries, you know, in an organization like Open Door Enterprises, because we know that they have a relationship over the years with those children, with those families, with those teenagers. And that's what's awesome to hear from them personally. If you ask them, you know, how is, uh, you know, if you sponsor, if you, um, if you partner with Open Door Enterprises for Kids for Jesus, they, uh, you, you know, they can give you updates. You get, uh, you can sign up for the newsletter, and that's separate from, you know, purchasing some of these items like the skirts and the bar bar bags. But um, you can partner with them, and that's an opportunity that you uh, have to be able to uh, provide a public education. And even more than that, when you partner with Open Door Enterprises specifically for Kids for Jesus. So if you have any questions about that, you can always ask myself. If you see Sarah, I'm going to have packets in the back next week regarding that, and uh, you can find out more about that, but um, it's an amazing ministry to support. And, um, you know, the water bottles, I have mentioned this before, when you uh, donate towards the water bottles in the back, it is specifically for the water wells that are, that are, uh, that are drilled there with Don, you know, that, Sarah, that Don and Sarah lead, that Don leads and his team. So that's another way to support that, you know. So think about that. When you're drinking that water, you are helping drill those water wells. And uh, the other outreach that we have done for the last couple of years is um, Open uh, Operation Christmas Child, which Maggie leads. And that project goes from um, 
from the summertime all the way to November, you know, and so um, Harvest Time committed and sponsored uh, 785 boxes this year, and so, you know, that was exciting to be able to do that, and uh, the other local outreach that we are supporting, and we have supported for a few years already through the Baby Boomerang um, pro, uh, fundraiser, is uh, the Women's Pregnancy Center. And this year, uh, you know, we are committing to getting some tables because that is their annual fundraiser. And we want to be able to uh, put more into our local ministries that are, you know, that are good soil to provide, to give to. And um, if you don't, it's not just for pregnant women. It is growing families. They provide uh, parenting workshops. They have a lot of support. They give clothing not only to the, uh, you know, to the infants, but they help get clothing for the rest of the family. So if you're looking for somewhere to serve locally, you can't, you know, if you say, I can't go to Mexico, I can't go to Africa, I can't go to Brazil, but you can support this ministry locally. And so this year we are, um, we're going to be part of that banquet and um, they need help daily, weekly, um, from sorting clothing for the babies and young children to uh, helping watch children while mothers get classes and training. So that's available. And so I will have more um, packets in the back next week regarding that. But it's also information has been on the bulletin. You know, Pastor Noe has relationship with some of the people from there as well, from some of the board people. And uh, Danielle, you know, they... Danielle, I spoke to Danielle personally, and you know she she has a heart for those for these women and these families. So, you know, pray about that. See how you can help and support that um, this ministry that is locally for us here. And um, the other one. So now, you know, I have told you about that. Now, for the Caso God, I will show you some pictures in just a minute that Pastor Noe put together. But um, it was we were able to sponsor sixteen. Uh, children. The youngest child is four, and most of them are actually teenagers. You know, like Emmanuel said, they have when they when we got there, they were all very little. In fact, the youngest one that has arrived there, <clears throat> so one of the youngest one has been nine months old, and two of them are still there. Some of them have actually been younger than that. I think we got to meet a two month old at one time. So, um, but most of them have um, grown up. You know, just like our own children. And they're still there. So we were able to sponsor um, and give him Christmas, uh, you know, bless him with a Christmas uh, this, this year. It was 16 of them total. And as one of the families uh, also blessed the pastors. That was a blessing to them, you know, to say, hey, you get a present too, you know. So that's always a blessing. If it, God ever puts that in your heart, you know, do so. And um, like I said earlier, the prayer, you know, that they need prayer daily. You know, the pastor, uh, the pastors are full-time pastors at uh, Rio Grande City in Texas, and they are also full-time uh, overseers of the children's home. So those are two very taxing, um, you know, ministries that they have and God has given to them. But um, if you think about them, you know, pray for, for them, pray Pastor Luna and Pastora Luna, and pray for the children and the teens, you know. Um, Right now, they're home for the holidays all, with all of them, so that's always a fun time. You know, as some of you that have your children home, you know what I'm saying? But they have all of them at home as well, but um, they also see it as an opportunity to spend more time with them, you know, and, and do more with them. So that's a blessing. But I, w I just wanted to share one of the scriptures that, um, you know, God gave me before we went and then even while, we, you know, as we were preparing for this trip, and it's Hebrews 10, 23. And this, and out of the King James, it reads, Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promise. Anyway, um, I'm sorry that I always get emotional, but, uh, you know, it's just the ministry very close to my heart. And I've seen those children grow up, like Emmanuel said, you know, and um, man, to see them, um, the way some of them could memorize this scripture in English and in Spanish, like I've said before, you know, one of them, Alex, is actually considering of going into uh, seminary, and that's a blessing, you know, to, they already have one who went through seminary, and uh, she is serving in the children's home now with a bachelor's degree. And uh, she does her social work, but 
as I asked them, you know, uh, and pastor will later know, will ask them again, you know, what does that scripture mean to you? You know, what does it really mean? Did you just memorize it just to earn, a, you know, a, a little a blow pops because they love those blow pops. Uh, and they will say it over and over just to earn another one. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, they, um, you can, he wants more depth from them. You know, what does it mean to you? He will ask him personally, what does it mean to you? And when I have the opportunity to speak to them uh, myself, you know, I, you know, I know that without hope, you know, without that faith, you know, they're not going to continue to serve God once they leave the children's home. Because there's several um, of them that have already left. And uh, Pastor uh, Noe was able to ask Pastor Luna about, you know, you know, what those kids have done, you know, where are they at? And so he was able to get some information from him personally about that. And um, it was exciting to see, you know, Pastor Noe had, has heard about it for years, has heard of this Casa Hogar that is somewhere in Mexico, but he actually got to see it for himself. So it was really interesting, you know, just to see that. Um, when you have done, you know, and uh, Monica Hernandez, Hernandez was the other one. You know, she for years supported this ministry, but she was never able to go until recently. And um, God finally, get, you know, released her husband and uh, to go and and um, and be part of that. And she has really been enjoying that. But uh, in the uh, New International Version of the Scripture, it says, "Let us hold unwaveringly to the hope we profess." For he who promised is faithful. His promises are true every time, you know, for, for you, for me, for them. And so as you pack those boxes, you know, I told some of you, you know, just be praying as you gather those items and put them in the, in the boxes. And I, and I know so, so many of you have been so faithful to do that, you know. And to those kids, you know, I know it's, 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 things that thing, it's just things, but it's hope for them. Because they're like, oh, somebody did come and remembered us this Christmas, you know, and because they, we are the only church that is, that is going as a group, any, uh, you know, nowadays. But I believe that um, even for me, you know, God spoke that, you know, I have to have for faith and wavering. If God has called me to do something, then I have to, you know, trust in him and have that faith, that unwavering faith. And without it, I wouldn't be able to do it. You know, I have told Pastor Noe several times, you know, um, when God calls me somewhere or God calls any of us anywhere, you know, you just have to trust him that he's going to provide the way, that he's going to provide, the, uh, you know, finances, that he's going to provide safety. And I, and I believe that, you know, I think of Sarah and Don who go all over, you know, go to Africa, the same thing, you know, across the world, and they're just putting in, themselves in God's hands. You know, to say, God, here I am. I'm doing what you have asked me to do. And my faith is going to stay steadfast and firm. And my hope is in you, God, and nothing else. I know uh, some, some of you couldn't go to Mexico. I switched on you. Um, but we wanted to bring a little bit of Mexico to you, okay? Some of you may know, some of you may not. Man, me and Becky did missions, have done missions like our whole life. And it's been years since I've went, you know, so I know a lot of people worry about the border, the, all the safety of everything. Well, I remember, you know, which uh, Vincent was talking to me nonstop while I was going across the border, <laughs> just talking. But in the meantime, I'm looking left and I'm looking right and I'm looking as we journey from the American side to the Mexico side. And I just always counted a privilege to be able to share the gospel, to share the love of God. You know, I was the only guy, I, I didn't know, Eman didn't know Spanish. I thought I was the only white guy with no Spanish. But he said he didn't know that much Spanish. So I said, well, I'm glad you told me because I was going to stick with you. So I immediately found out I need to make sure I stick with somebody that knows Spanish. But a as we go across, you know, uh, one thing I want to tell you is it's never about being safe. A determining factor if you go if you don't go we should not ask the question well is it safe I was in Bay City driving through town and I saw a person run a stop sign and never stop Bay City is not safe but we have this perception of thinking that we're okay in America and Mexico America good Mexico bad 
Now, I'm not saying that bad stuff doesn't happen. There is a lot of hostile things going on in the border. I did talk with a pastor, and he said, actually, this year he has had more involvement from churches than he's had in a long time. When all of the stuff started really going bad at the border, they lost every all support except ours. Nobody would go. They wouldn't go. And, but it didn't sound like that people just stopped going. It sounded like people stopped giving. Now, I didn't ask that question. But if you say you lost support, that's not always just being there physically. It's supporting them financially. So, so one of the dynamics of the church is we have given to that orphanage. Or I, I keep saying orphanage. It is a children's home. A lot of those uh, uh, children, they have families. They, they are just in a situation that does not allow them to either be with a parent or a, a situation that has removed them from, you know, putting them in a safe environment. And then at the end of the process, their ultimate goal is to reestablish them with family. Okay, so just knowing what it, you know, for me, that was eye-opening, and Becky kept yelling at me. She says, Epi's told you a million times. I said, well, maybe I just had to go to figure it out. You know, I, I don't know what it took to figure it out, but I stopped myself because I keep saying orphanage. But I tell you, when I look at those kids, I see kids that have been abandoned, and her motherless and fatherless, and in my mind, I say, that is an orphan. Because it doesn't matter if the parent is alive. It's, a, it's the question is, are they being fathered? Are they being mothered? Are they living a life where they have a biblical model raising them? So in the essence of their condition, they are orphans. But thank God for the children's home that is providing a place that they can be raised, that they can receive shelter, that they can be taken care of with a godly upbringing. You know, Epi shared with it just a little bit about... Um, I asked the question, I said, what happens when they leave? Because that's sometimes how we measure success, right? Uh, I'm not there yet. I pray by the grace of God, my kids do well when they leave the nest of everything that we've instilled within them. But those of you who have had teenagers that go off to school or go off to careers or get married and they leave the house, your success is measured by the moment they are required to stand on their own. And the years that you have with your children are critical years. It's not inconvenient. It's not too long, man. You know, stop saying, man, I wish it was just already over. I'm not going to make it. See every moment as a gift from God. You know, in a few weeks, we're doing a baby dedication, and we were just thinking about that, the gift that our children are to us. For the short amount of time that we have them within our sphere of influence, because one thing we have to always realize is that children are a gift from God and they are always God's and they're never mine to keep, okay? They're mine to instill, to, to, to program, to teach, to show them the things in the word of God. And then I hope that they turn back to that. When things get hard, when things get difficult, where mom and dad are not as close and as convenient as we have always been, that at that moment, they, uh, they cling to the cross, they cling to the scriptures. They cling to the things that, uh, that matter most. Um, man, some of the, when we got back to the American side, uh, we were all sitting around the table eating and just hanging out. And Elias takes it a little bit spiritual. I said, man, I'm proud of this guy. He asked me, he said, wait, 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 wait. This is Pastor Noe's first time. We want to say, what was your thoughts? What was your opinion? We had all been before and man, I thought it was a great trip. You know, I start talking about safety things and policies and procedures that we can do to make it. But that's my brain. That's how I think all the time. But the, 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 the safety, there was never a concern for safety. It was well planned. They were ready when we got there. Um, man, I just feel like, you know, we are just continuing a work that was started a long time ago, and it is a good work. You know, so when, you, you know, I have always said that we always invest the finances of the church in good soil. I can vouch firsthand that the, the, the field that we're investing in, in that children's home is good soil. If it wasn't, I'll say, guys, we need to pray about what we're going to do with that because they are not reaping a harvest. It's not good soil because that's one thing I think as elders and pastors that we have to continue to evaluate. If it's not bearing fruit, if it's not a good investment, kingdom-wise, why are we putting resources into that? But, you know, seeing the pastor walking around the facility, one thing I did, I said, man, take me around the facility. Show me everything you got. You know, so we walked in, the, in, their, in their dorms. We even saw the pigs and the chickens, you know, all the, the yucky. Got my, had to clean my shoes back up when I got back. They weren't as white as they were when I came back. 
You know, but as we walk through the dorm rooms, you know, there's a dorm room for the, for the, the boys and there's a dorm room for the girls. As I walk through, I'm humbled at the simplicity of the setup. One thing we did before we gave the boxes, we opened all your boxes, so sorry. We looked in them, we checked what was in them, and my wife has been telling me for years I got a bad habit of overbuying for my own children. Well, we started looking through those boxes, and I'm not saying you didn't pack those well, but I wanted them bursting at the seams. So we loaded up extra in everybody's box. I said, let's go. I said, where, where are we going? We're going to put more in these things. I want them where they can't close them at the border. But just, man... But the also, when I looked at those boxes, and they were packed according to the guidelines, it was things that were needed. Wasn't this luxurious? Like, I, I compare one versus the other, man. Our kids are like, I want an Xbox. I want a hoverboard. And all they want is the, their own clean clothes, their own shoes, and their own little space. So for me, it was so humbling that we get so far away from the things that we need versus the things that we want. And we're pursuing after all of these things we want where there are people in the world that don't have the basic needs. You know, so for me, you know, it was just one of those, it always opens my eyes anytime I do missionary work and I, you know, it causes me to be thankful, you know, to count my blessings. And, you know, I, I didn't tell Becky, but it didn't matter what I got for Christmas at that point. And I have this in my notes. If you were not happy before Christmas, there's nothing under that Christmas tree that was going to change it after if you're not content and you're not satisfied with life. There's nothing. I mean, if you're, if you're chasing after possessions, the next best things, really what you're doing, you're not dealing with heart issues. You're not dealing with, you know, the things that cause you to thrive and live this life to its fullest. And first and foremost, if your relationship with Christ isn't right, it's never going to be okay. If you're avoiding his presence, if you're saying, well, you know, I've tried everything else. I hear that testimony more often than not before people turn to Christ. Well, I've tried everything else, you know, and I'm at the bottom of the barrel. Why are we waiting to get to the bottom of the barrel, guys, before we turn to God? Why are we getting him involved when we've messed it all up rather than allowing him to be involved in our lives at the beginning? I'm guilty, you know. A lot, a lot of times it's like, well, man, why am I dealing with this? And then I think God just sits there and laughs at me. He's just like, hey, pff, well, did, I, did you ask my, for my help? No. So I'm guilty as charged the same way. Um, Think a few more stories. Uh, I guess I'm the whitest Mexican of the group. <laughs> think about it. I mean, I'm the white guy. And so Elias is telling him, he's Hispanic. He, you know, his family's from Mexico. Well, the girls are sitting there eating all this lightning fire, super hot sauce stuff. And they stop and they say, well, if you're Mexican, how come you don't eat hot stuff? <laughs> you know, so Elias was there with me. So uh, they, they were eating this stuff on these chips. And I said, oh, I'll eat it. You know, it shouldn't kill me. I'm hoping, right? And I ate the first stuff golden. It's like buffalo sauce. It's not hot. It's not, you know. So then I, then I try one, and then the, then the girl on my left says, well, try mine. So one of them had it like on a, uh, a plain chip, and then one had it on Doritos. So just like Taco Bell, when you start adding stuff to Dorito mix, it changes the whole flavor. So I tasted one, and then the other one says, no pica, which means it's not hot. It's not spicy. So I'm venturing, and then they start looking at each other, and then, well, there's this plate of jalapenos. I already knew, Elias told me, he says, don't eat those. <laughs> well, if a true blue Mexican says, do not eat a hot pepper because it'll mess you up. So what do you think they do? They point at that place and say, no pica. And I was like, but no, 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 I'm smarter than that. <laughs> you know, but I just, uh, I think being able to look at the kids in their eyes and, and tell them that God loves them. You had a whole plan to share the, the, the story, you know, the Bible story and read it. I said, you know what? You guys know the story. What I want you to know is there's a church in, in, in the United States that loves you. You know, you know and, just because, and just like we've remembered you, God remembers you. And I just, man, I encouraged them. And, and I hope somebody felt loved. I hope there was a connection made that they're not forgotten, that they're not abandoned, that God was still mindful of them, even in their mother, mother's womb. And it wasn't that they would be abandoned forever, but God had a divine plan to, to send them to, the, to that children's home, to take care of them, to provide for them, to allow us to be a part of their lives. I hope that, it could, it, that they were able to receive that, not because of who I am or just because I want, but because God loves them. You know, I know some of you packed boxes. Some of you did not pack boxes. Um, one thing we did that Epi didn't share, we gave them three computers this year. When they were here in the summer, I asked them, I said, what do you need? Because, right, 
Oh, needs versus wants. Like, hey, what do you want? Oh, I lie. what do you need? You know, and one thing he said, he says, all of our kids are getting older. They, they're going to school now. They need to write papers. They need to look on the internet. You know, they're, they're going to high school, college. So imagine you go to school with no technology, no computers, no ability to do your work. So he says, we would like computers. So if you didn't pack a box and you give to this church, we bought computers for them. So you have an investment. That's one thing I always want to make sure you're aware of. You know, we just don't take the ties and just... We, one, one of my biggest goals, guys, going in this next year is that we are more outreach-driven. I love new stages. I know, love new lights. I love when our facility starts looking nice. But if we, if we don't continue to be outreach-driven and community-driven, we're going to miss the whole point of prosperity. Amen. Who cares? Bigger buildings, nicer parking lots, which I'm believing God for those, but I want our focus to be what can we do for others? As God provides increase in the house, how can we do more? So one thing we are going to do, we are going to reevaluate the income for the year, and we're going to allot it and make sure we continue to give 10% to missions as a church. I know when I first took over, there were some questions about, hey, are we going to continue to support the missionaries we're going to support? I said, listen, I was one. That's one of the last things we are going to cut. If anything, we're going to do more. So I think, you know, just being able to go on this trip, to see those kiddos, to love on them, to play, to, you know... Um, it was just a blessing, guys. But I know that there is sometimes fear. There's the saying, man, I'm, I would never do that. It's just too dangerous. Don't ever, don't ever allow the danger of it to prevent you from what God asked you to do. I know last time, man, I didn't get my passport in time. And Epi's up here, hey, make sure you get your passport. And I kind of bobbed my head. I was like, man, that's me. So when God asks you to do something, sometimes it requires something of you to accomplish it. I would have never went to Mexico if I wouldn't have got my passport. You know, I would have never went, you know, if I didn't plan for somebody to speak, if I didn't, it required working through some details, you know. Um, but I just want to encourage you guys that you, we're making a big impact in, in Mexico. You know, even though there's a lot of, you know, I'll tell you one thing I did not do. My, my grandma lives in Harlingen. I was born in Harlingen. I did not tell my grandma I was going to Mexico. She would have hung me up and it would have not been good. But I learned a long time ago, you follow God, you're obedient to God. And sometimes you have to apologize to those who have authority in your life, but you cannot allow people's opinion to dictate what you do. Parents, some of the hardest things you're going to have to do in your life is release your children and accomplish all that God has called them to. I know I'm going to have to do that at some age with my children. When they say, God, when they say Dad, I want to serve God and this is what I want to do. Because if we raise them their whole life to hear the voice of God and be led by God, when they pursue God and they follow him, what are we supposed to say? Well, you know, I know I taught you that your whole life, but this time don't listen to God. That didn't make much sense, Noe. It does not. But I think trusting the God we serve in every situation, not just in the comfortable ones or the convenient ones. You know, I know uh, being a missionary, I was asking all kinds of questions. I said, do they know how to prepare the food? Are they using clean water? Should we eat any fruit that's washed with water? I'm asking all these things. I said, I don't want to have dysentery and die when I come back. You know, but, you know, talks, I said, no, they use good clean water. And, you know, like, I still was like, hey, I know I'm still going to wash my hands again. Because I think we got to be smart, guys. And I think that is the biggest thing. It's not that we ignorantly just say, oh, you know, God will protect me in ignorance. But we're still wise and we're still smart in what we do. One thing I really want to do this next year, I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know what opportunity will be made available. But I want to offer some type of outreach or mission trip that anybody can go on that is stateside. I'm asking God for wisdom and direction in regards to what that looks like. Because I know some of you will never go to Africa, some of you will never go to Brazil, and some of you may never go to Mexico. So my heart is saying, what can we do locally, community-wise, that would be a mission trip that would allow you to experience missions locally? You know, and I am very missions-driven, guys. That's something that is a part of me and will always be a part of me. So you're going to always see that flavored in, in what we do, you know. Hope to have a VBS this next year. You know, that's something we always talk about. And it's like, hey, should we do a VBS? There went summer. Well, we should have done a VBS. Did we do a VBS? Oh, we missed it. You know, so I think that there are things that we can do 
that cause us to always get out of ourselves is the best way I know to put it. And, and doing things that there is no benefit to the church or there is nothing we're expecting in return. When we give or we serve in that way, we know that our heart motive is right. Could it grow the church? Could more people? Be? Absolutely. But if that is the motive, we're missing it. Let me share a few scriptures with you. I think of the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 19. It says, therefore, go and make disciples, go into all the world, preach the good news. You guys have heard this passage, right? But there is an action word of going. That doesn't mean sitting. That doesn't mean staying. That doesn't mean remaining comfortable. Going requires action. And I know a lot of you would say, well, I can't go to Mexico. I can't go to Brazil. I can't go to Africa, wherever it may be. But man, you are, you are strategically planted in a group of people right now that you have the power to impact and influence. Workplace, extracurriculars, whatever you do, you are around people that need Christ. And you have one of the greatest gifts to give them. And, and one thing that uh, I know growing up, man, sometimes I was bolder in the mission field than I was in my own backyard. I don't know if it's what, because people knew me or they didn't know me, so I would just be bold if I said something dumb. I don't know them anyway. There's no risk, right? But can we be bold in the environment we're at? I, and I think that's what God is really calling us to. When it says nations, it's defined as groups of people. What do we say? When we say nations, we say all over the world. Well, I can only do that. I can only go over here and make an impact. I can only go to this nation and make an impact. But what God ultimately wants from each of us is making an impact right where we are at, where we begin to live a lifestyle of, of, of training disciples, of, of saving the lost. And, you know, Becky and I, that's one of the measuring sticks that we, we kind of have for this church. It says, if everybody's just showing up and we're having a good time, but souls are not being saved, we're probably missing the mark of what God has designed the church to be and what the church is supposed to do. It's so, it's so much more, and we, we talked about that, about, you know, it's, it's the church is not, we're not to be selfish. It's not supposed to be a, a motive, just what's in it for me, but let God change me, let God impart into me awesome things so that I might give to others, okay? And that's why for us, it's so important that we grow onto maturity, that we become disciples, because it's gonna be very difficult for you to disciples other if you have not been a disciple first, the disciples made disciples. Why? Because they were discipled. You know, we've talk, uh, I was talking to Don Reed a little bit, and we were talking about how the, you know, and he said it. I listened to his message. He said one of the hardest things he has ever done is disciple people. And I look at my life. There's been very few that have stuck with me when it gets difficult. You know, I've had people say, hey, man, will you mentor me? I said, Absolutely. I said, anytime you're off, call me. Call me once a week. We'll get together. And it goes good for about two or three weeks. And then I text a few times, said, hey, man, you've been off lately? But I put the ball in their court. We have to actively pursue discipleship just like I am pursuing to disciple people. When he called, when he called the disciples, there was, always, there was a condition, right? What was the condition? He called them, but they were required to what? Follow. Right? Hey, come follow me. And if they would have said, whoa, 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 wait, wait, I'll be there in a little bit. Jesus would have kept walking. He would have found those who were willing to follow. And there has to be a way, guys, to have this healthy balance of being discipled and growing in Christ. We can't say, well, I'm just too busy. Well, culture's not like it used to be. Or I'm just, you know, I, I don't have the, uh, the Bible knowledge to, to be a disciple. If we continue to have all these cop-outs and we never pursue being a disciple, it'll be almost impossible for us to disciple others. So what does it require? A lot of time, a lot of commitment, but a desire to be more like Christ. Jesus wasn't about conveniences, guys. But to be a disciple, it says, go therefore and make disciples. So maybe this morning, you know, as we've been talking, some of you have been urged to go. You don't know, I mean, you might not know where you say, man, I need to do something. Well, I wonder what I can do next. Stay right there and ask God, what do I do? Where do I go? What can I do? 
I think, you know, sometimes you see these uh, organizations or people doing ministry in ways that you've never seen. The reason it happens is because God begins to put it in the heart of men or women, and then they follow it. But it's a specific task. It's something that's specific to what God wants to do in and through you. But I feel like, you know, my, my concern was like, well, Lord, if I don't do what you ask me to do, do you find somebody else or do, does, it, is, does it just not happen? That's always been like this, this debate in my mind saying, well, because I know God can do whatever he wants. And, you know, there was times that, you know, people didn't meet, the, didn't match up to the line. He said, well, all right, sorry. You know, going on with the next guy. And we see that God uses willing people. But I think this morning, if you say, man, I don't know what to do, but I know that the, uh, I got some cool stuff kind of bubbling in me for this next year. But, you know, I feel like this year is going to be something that is going to be a, a, a new season in your life like you've never seen. But it also is going to require a pursuit like you've never pursued. You can't expect to receive from God and not pursue him. And guys, that's for me too. That's not just saying for you. This is something that God has been showing me. He says, if you want to be close to me, you must pursue me. To what degree? Whatever it takes. But what if somebody calls and needs something and it's right in the middle of my quiet time? Well, you don't answer the phone. I'm the priority. But we feel obligated. We feel, you know, like, hey, you know, we don't guard our time with the Lord. And, and I think it, it, it affects our life in every way. James 1, 22 through 27, let me just share this real quick with you. It says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but not, does not do it is like a man who looks uh, at his face in the mirror and then after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. Verse 26, it says, if anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. Anybody like that verse or not so much? I'll keep going. Verse 27, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. So when we look at those two things, widows, orphans, when we talk about Mexico, orphans, I know it's not an orphanage, but they, they, are, they are living an orphan lifestyle momentarily, and hopefully God works it out where they can be reunified with their family. But, you know, opportunities to, uh, and I know that there are, did you know just because you have a father doesn't mean you're fathered? And there are a lot of orphans out there that don't have fathers raising them. Biologically, Yes. Structurally teaching your young men, your, your, your young boys to become men, no. Teaching them the word of God, th uh, teaching them what it should be. Same thing with, uh, with young ladies, little girls. Not, what does it mean to be a mother? Hopefully the mothers are showing them, right? You know, but we have, these, we have these orphans spiritually, you know. I think even, and don't get mad, but I feel like even sometimes within the church, so I think as if you have children, if God gifts you with children, or even if there are children around you that God has gifted you as children, not biological, but by proximity, he has put kids around you that you can invest in and that you can love and that you can invest your life in, do it. Because it's the same thing. You're making disciples. You're just starting at a younger age. Tell you what, there's nothing more powerful than, than raising from a young age to get what you want, the result you want. You guys ever tried to fix somebody later on once they're all messed up? You say, yeah, I was one, right? <laughs> if, if we don't get it right early on, how much work it takes to change bad habits, to change things we've become so comfortable with. But we do it now. Widows, orphans. Some of you guys may say, well, we have a social security system that handles all of that. Don't let that be your cop out. Oh, well, the government takes my money and they take care of those, you know, welfare, whatever it is. Then why in the world did Jesus put that in the, in the Bible? Why did God put that in his word? If there wasn't some responsibility. Now, does that mean just within the church? Does it mean, you know, family? What, what does it look like? Does it, the scope of Bay City? I know one thing I strive to do 
is, is look more locally than like globally because I feel like there is a lot of outward looking and not inward looking. I try to meet the needs. You know, if, if I have an opportunity to, uh, to invest in a ministry that is local versus Houston, Santa, wherever, Dallas, it doesn't matter, that I can invest in my own backyard, I'll almost always do it. We've been looking at some prison ministry stuff, you know, like supporting some prison ministries or seeing what they're all about, kind of connecting with some of that. And uh, I had one that was out of Houston. Well, there's one right in locally here in Matagorda County. So to me, we must take care of ourselves before we take care of others. We have to invest in our own community before we invest in all of the other ones. You know, I think we got to take care of the places where God puts us. And that's why I think it's, it's so important because if we don't see Harvest Time making an inve- investment in Bay City, I feel, because we're, we're in an awesome place. We're kind of right, you know, me and some pastors were talking, it's like, well, you're a Bay City address, but you're kind of in Van Vleck. I was like, yeah, but we're kind of close to Sweeney too. We're right in the middle of it, kind of the crossroads. We're cent- but we're centrally located because I think we have the ability to impact Bay City, Van Vleck, and Sweeney. You heard, you heard the word ability, Right. But that takes a willingness from people. It's, something, it, it's not something that is just in my heart and then it's like I, I'm excited about it and it stops there. It takes you guys seeing that and realizing that and impacting everywhere you go because our church is made up of all those demographics. We got kids in, in this church that go to all three schools. You know, some are even further the other way. You start talking about uh, Markham. You start talking about the, even going the Tide Haven. You start going the other direction. Sergeant. Sergeant is close. It is right here. You know, but we are centrally located in a way where I think God is wanting us to impact the community around us. If we're not doing that, we're failing. That's just something God has put in my heart. I mean, if there's a scripture for that, let me know what it is. But that's something God has been speaking to me, that we have to be impactful in the community we're planted in. We're not here by accident. It's not not say, well, you know, I know initially when I was first took over the pastor, I was asking God, why in the world is our church where it is? but I didn't get a chance to talk to the founders. And God began to speak to me. He said, you are centrally located to reach north, south, east, and west. Well, then I got to talk to him and Sharon says, oh, our church is there, so it'll reach north, south, east, and west. I said, thank you, Lord. Because God had already deposited and, and spoke that to me before I heard it come out of the founder's heart. So I said, all right, we're in, we're in good shape. We're going the right direction. And I think God will continue as we are involved in that process. He will continue to give us more and more. Philippians 4, 11 through 12. Let me read that to you real quick. Philippians 4, 11 through 12. It says, I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have, have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. So guys, we got to get to that place of where we learn to be content. You know, are there always, is there certain things that we need or we need to make life easier? Absolutely. I remember when I first started cutting grass, I wanted to start a small grass business and uh, I had a push mower. Well, you know, my wife says, man, she just walked back in. Okay. Uh, she said, she says, well, use that push mower and start cutting a few yards. Then you can get a riding mower. I said, woman, I don't want to work that hard to make a living doing mowing business. So at that point, that riding mower was, felt like a need, right? Did it make life easier? Yeah. Could I have done it with the push mower? I'd have been gone all the time. I was like, where you been? I cut one yard all day long. <laughs> You're welcome. I just kept the push mower, right? You know, but... I bought that riding mower and that riding mower turned into a zero turn and that zero turned into the two zero turns and, you know, I let the business buy them. You know, but sometimes what we do, we just jump on to feeling like we need the biggest and the best, which really I could have got along with just that riding mower. But if you've ever had a riding mower and a zero turn, how many of you know a zero turn's way better? <laughs> but I'm, I'm finding that balance between needs and wants, fighting the difference of being content if all I can afford right now is that push mower. We ain't got that push mower anymore, baby. Daddy got rid of it. She says, what push mower? We don't have one. Samuel's been asking me for a push mower so he can cut the grass. I might have to buy one just so he can work, learn some work, work ethic. But uh, 
Being content, guys, when we have a little and we have a lot, learning that, it'll help us because it'll, it'll cause us to be uh, selfless and, it, and it'll cause us to begin to look beyond ourselves. Because if we keep chasing after the biggest and the best, it's going to prevent us from just being blessed with what we have, being content with what we have, and being able to bless, bless others. That is why God creates wealth. It's not just for me, myself, and I. Is it for, for my children's you know, inheritance? Absolutely. But ultimately, he blesses me so that I can be a blessing to others. That's the whole big picture of it all. If you look for opportunities to bless others, you'll find it. Becky and I have always asked, you know, what can we give? And there's been different seasons of our life where we couldn't give what we can give now. But I can tell you, if you look for opportunities to give, you always have something to give. Well, I don't have a lot of money. What do you have for drills? Maybe you do. Give away a drill. Give away something you have excess of. Bless somebody that's in need. You know, find what you have to bless others with and and give it. I'm not saying that you don't need at least two drills or two hammers because you bust one up, you break one, you need another. But my dad was always like, oh, you can't ever have enough. We were always stuck in that. It's like, you got four saws, dad. You can only use one at a time. Well, you know, when you grow up 25 years down the road when that saw ain't going to work anymore, well, I'll give one to you and I'll give one to your sisters and I'll give one. I was like, dad, we shouldn't live like that. Like just, man, you know, keep what you keep, what you need. And if you got excess, bless others, guys. You know, you know, it's just possessions, right? There's so much more kingdom stuff at stake and what God wants to do through us. But if we do not get tied up in possessions, we can grow onto prosperity and greatly impact the kingdom of God. Greatly impact the kingdom of God. Because I've always said, God, you know, if you ever made me excessively wealthy, I'd give, I'd give. Well, he hasn't made me excessively wealthy, but he has still shown me how to give because my heart motive is still the same. It sometimes just gets a little more strategic. It's like, ah, do I really need that? No. Do I want that? Absolutely. Should I buy it? Well, probably not. Did I buy it anyway? Well, sometimes. So I don't always do it right, guys. Like, you know, you know, it's funny, man, playing this morning. I hadn't played on the worship team in a long time. I still love it, but I have excessively way too many guitars. For as little as I play. But you, you, you learn to play, I'll give you one. You learn to play, I'll give you one. Everybody heard it, right? If she learns to play, I'm just going to give you one. Okay? Let's see what else I got on here and we'll wrap up. We just can't be infatuated with the American dream of all these, the greatest gizmo, the greatest gadgets, like... There's some cool stuff out there, guys. And I'm not saying don't enjoy the luxuries, but don't allow it to be so excessive. Uh, All the hype. You know, Samuel got this little uh, drone. What is it, droid? Drone? I've been in Star Wars land for too long on that stuff. (laughs) Droid. No, it's a drone. It's a drone. Quit talking. You're messing me up. He has both. So he got this little drone for Christmas, and it'll go up, and then it'll do flips. You think uh, it also spins and it's one of the coolest things ever. You think I need one of those in my life? No. Do I enjoy it in my life? Absolutely. I almost wanted to go buy one myself, (laughs) but luckily he lets me play with him. But man, I'm envisioning, you know, because I think it's fun, man. Living blessed, you know, following God, giving and God gives back to you. And, you know, in my mind, I was like, I'll buy one and he'll buy one and we can go like this and we can try to knock one out of the sky (laughs) and we'll break both of them because they're not well made. Buy better, buy bigger. Yeah. Let me know how that goes. So in closing, guys, every time I come back from a mission trip, I'm humbled. I've been, I've been in Africa where we flip the lights on. We don't know if the power's on. We turn the knob. We don't know if water's going to come out that day. You know, uh, you know, where toilet paper is white gold. You know, I mean, I'm talking these luxury things that we just, you know, we just take for granted, guys. But it it causes, and I'm not saying that we don't have good things, but I'm saying just be mindful of the things we do have. God blesses you to be generous. Um, You know, God, family, and friends, you know, uh, and and the basic needs are, are some of the most valuable things you'll ever have in your life. You know, things will come and go, but, you know, family and friends, I mean, they're, they're a great treasure. 
if you'll see them as that. You know, God provides everything that we have need of. But if God is missing from your life this morning, you will never, ever, ever be satisfied. You know, every time my grandma's around, I don't see her that often anymore, but man, she will bust me up about a salvation call. She's like, well, you know, mijito, it's the most important thing you can do. If you're not providing an opportunity for people to come to Christ, every time you preach, you're missing it. And then, you know, and then I'll like, I want to respond. And she's like, dot, dot, dot. And this pastor that I talked to, he wasn't doing it. And I told him. And so one side of the car, I'm just listening, waiting to try to be like, thanks, grandma, you know, and. And she, you know, when she ended, she goes, what does it say? Today. What is it, right? Today is the day of salvation. And that's exactly right. So maybe this Christmas season, you got it wrong. You were pursuing after things that, you know, had temporary pleasure or satisfaction, where today the greatest gift has already been given. So that we might be drawn to the Father. You guys stand with me. All of these things that I tell you will be foolishly, foolish, will feel foolish to you if you don't know Christ. Why would we go to another country? Why would we give? Why would we live a lifestyle like this? Well, if you don't have Christ, you won't understand. I was listening to a radio. It, say, it says, you know, January 1st was just a day that somebody picked. You know, of when, you know, because we think about, it, oh, I'm going to start that diet in January. Hey, I'm going to quit going out to Esau or whatever it is. January 1st is the day, baby, right? That's the day everything changes. Well, why not today? You know, I, I, I'm, so, I'm so humbled that God's grace and mercy is new every single day for me. That I don't have to wait for January 1st to get it right. But today, I can humbly come before his throne of grace with confidence that he'll give me what I have need of and what I desire and what I need to change my life. Thank you for joining us for the Harvest Time Church podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and empowered. If you'd like more information about our family, please write us at 42 FM 2540 South, Bay City, Texas 77414. Or check us out on the web at harvesttimebaycity.com.